0: So we're going to focus um, in Daniel chapter 3 at some point here, but I just want to review a little bit about faith, and um, we're going to just kind of recap Daniel's chapters 1 and 2 briefly. So faith is essential to the Christian life. Now, we know that we're saved by faith, we walk by faith, we are sustained by faith, and we are called to share our faith. And without faith, the scripture tells us that it is impossible to please God it also tells us that we all have a measure of faith given to us when we first believe. Some people have such a strong and great faith that when they come in the room, they just, it's like they're moving mountains, moving furniture, out of my way, you know. I believe everything, and, and some of us are given a small faith that's the size of a mustard seed. So, but even with that mustard seed, guess what? You can plant it and grow a whole tree. So it doesn't matter if you have that to move mountains to begin with or if you have the mustard seed. It's just you have that measure of faith. So we have to remember that, and we are all given an opportunity to grow in our faith. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, now it's telling us that we are not in trials and we are to expect them. Now, sometimes there's differences what we're going through and why we're going through them, and we have to think about it because it's not always... Oh, God hates me. You know, why me, God? Why am I going through this? You know, we always start thinking about, why is this happening to me? There's some reasons why. Sometimes our trials are brought on by our own poor choices. Sometimes it's strictly warfare because of our faithfulness to God. Remember Job. And some are a test to purify and strengthen us. So, you know, these are just things that we don't think about. You know, we do go through a... Pur- Once we're saved, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. That's where we start out. That's where our faith walk begins. So the more we walk in faith, the more we follow God and trust Him, our faith grows. And the purifying and testing, you know, He doesn't come and wipe your... every bad habit or whatever away instantly. Sometimes it just takes gradual little steps to get out from where you're at. And He knows that. And these little tests come in your way to see if you're ready to move on or not yet, you know. But these are things where we have to test ourselves and we have to push ourselves too to overcome and to keep going forward as well. So I had a question. It's like I want us to look in, inside ourselves today and ask Do I remain faithful in affliction? How do I handle adversity? Whenever things don't go my way or line up the way that I think they should, how do I react or respond? So when God seems so far away, do I trust him or do I feel as he has abandoned me? That's a tough one sometimes. In my hour of doubt and confusion, am I clinging to God who knows and sees all? So, this is where we're going to look at Daniel. Take an overview here. Chapter 1, we see Daniel and his friends. And uh, so it's um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I think we all know them. And I know there's different names in here because they were into captivity and their names were changed. So, uh, these four captives were chosen by the king and they were trained for three years in his service. All right. I want to look at um, verse 9 because it stood out very well. And this is chapter 1. He says, now God caused the officials to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. Okay, so we're going to look at that and then jump down to verse 17. He says, to these four young men God gave knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. So here we are looking at these four. And you notice in verse 9 it says, who caused it? God caused, okay? God gave them their gift. God enhanced their gift, okay? That's like each and every one of us have a gift, and we're called to a life of service. But we, you know, the thing is finding out that gift and letting God grow that inside of us. And that's the important thing. We have to, in some ways, submit to God so that we can grow in the gifts and the callings that he has for us. Because if we don't do those things... There's no direction. So we need that direction in our life to serve God adequately. And then we see in 17, as I said, that God gave them knowledge of all kinds. So to Daniel, the interpretation of dreams and visions, and to the others, wisdom of all kinds of literature and learning. Okay, so there's a little bit difference in what they were given, and nobody's the same. You can't look at somebody else and say, well, they can do this. Why can't I why didn't God call me to that? Or I can't do the same things that they do or they don't do. We can't compare to each other because God has made us all unique and individual. He doesn't want us to all be puppets. He doesn't want us to all think the same way or dress the same way or do the same things. We're individual. We are all part of a body. We are all the face of God. You ever stop and think about that? The many faces of God. So, as we're going to go into here, I want to read, um, we're going to go into chapter 2 now. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream and his mind is very troubled. So, he summons, later in there, he summons for all the magicians, sorcerers, astrologers, and the enchanters and everyone. And he threatens their lives if they cannot interpret his dreams. And I want to go to verse 18 in chapter 2. Now, this is Daniel. And he was explaining to his friends, hey, look, the king has just put a price on our heads. So he said, he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. Because he knew that if he didn't come up with the answer to this dream, he was going to die. So he enlisted the help from his friends to pray for him. And I think it's actually in verse 13 where he gives the, the decrees. The king does. He says, So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and the men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So we're seeing all this come together here and I don't know about you but it would be a tough place to be in. You really have to have a strong faith to know that God, hey, God gave me this gift and he's going to give me the answer. You know, because they're faced with death. How would we be in the face of death, you know, if our faith was called into question? That's something that I think about every once in a while. So let's, I'm going to go to verses 27 through 30 in chapter 2. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or even diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. And then he explains what was going on. He says, as you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of the mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O King, may know the interpretation, that you may understand what went through your mind. So he's telling him, you know, what goes through his mind and puts it at ease. Okay. And then we're going to move into chapter 3, and let's see where things go back downhill again. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And he summoned all the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that the king has set up. Whoever does not fall down when worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace." And I'm going to skip down to um, verse 8. Because at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. And they said to the king, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree. O king, that everyone who hears the sound, the sound of the music, we're going to skip all of them, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship, will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom have set over the affairs of the province whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you. O okay. king, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. So furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are, are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? So... um, here we say, and he, they give him the answer. He says, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If you are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve you, your gods, or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Well, that's great faith. Okay, well, if God rescues me, that's fine, but if he doesn't... Kind of like Esther, if I perish, I perish. You know, you get to the point, well, if I perish, I perish, but I know what's right, and I can't change what I believe. Today, a lot of people want us to change what we believe and accept things into mainstream that are not. And there's times we have to just say, no, some things just aren't right. You know, and we have to stand our ground, because if you don't stand your ground on issues then it's conforming and I like it when people try to take one verse from the Bible and defend their position it's like you don't understand the whole Bible so you can't take one verse if you're not a student of the word if you don't read your Bible you don't have any understanding of just one verse you're going to take it out of context it has to be seen as a whole so we have to stand up we have to have faith in our God that he's going to see us through he's going to see us through what we believe in and what is right even though it may be the unpopular thing today. So, but we have to stand by what his word says and what his law says, just like they did back here. So we notice here that Daniel is absent. He had his three friends, and this isn't Daniel's test, but his friends. So Daniel, his test came by having to trust God that he would give him the interpretation to the king's dream, and Daniel was wise enough to know that he needed intercession from his friends. So, um, let me go back to 249 here. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. So he didn't forget his friends when they prayed for him. He made sure they were set up, but now they're being tested. So um, they were placed in a position of authority by man to show the supreme authority of God. We have to realize that too. Sometimes we may be put in a position to show the power of God or even to show the hand of God, the kindness, the grace, the compassion, whatever it is. We may not be real pleased with the situation we're in, but as it's to the glory of God, then so be it. There's these times in our lives where you say, know, let your will be done, so be it, Lord. So the fiery furnace, it was their test of faith, and the flames were made seven times hotter. And it made me stop and think, When the heat of life gets turned up, do you believe God will turn on the air conditioner? God controls the temperature, right? (laughs) Sometimes the heat is turned up to melt away our doubt or things that God wants to change in us. It's the refiner's fire. Sometimes we have to be melted down to remove that dross or the impurities in our lives, the things that God wants to change in us. So sometimes we have to have a meltdown so God can build us back up. (laughs) Faith is believing the impossible. And the faith of these three even brought them to the point that they were willing to give their lives to serve God. We have brothers and sisters in other countries that give their lives every day. It hasn't come to that here yet. It may someday, you know, because quite honestly, the thoughts, even, even people that are Christians, you know, there's just different things coming in. There's a strange mixture of the world's views and Christian views coming together, and it doesn't line up. So someday we may be the minority, what we believe and what we stand for, you know, if we just don't accept the way the, the world's going. So are we willing to stand up? willing to maybe give your life? It's interesting to stop and think about, isn't it? It really makes you think. So they didn't even question God's sovereignty. Now we have to ask ourselves questions too, like do we believe what we profess? And is it backed up by our faith? What do we do when our faith falters? Hmm. I'm going to go to Matthew 14, verses 22 through 31. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to their villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. And he answered, Bring them here to me. So what do we see God doing here? He's just multiplying. Those of little faith, though they saw a little bit, a, little, a few of fish and loaves of bread, they weren't yet believing that he could make it more. And over to 22 through 31. Immediately Jesus, saw, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and he cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipping, in the boat worshipped him and saying, truly you are the son of God. So here we see this passage here and Peter had a great faith as long as he kept his eyes on Christ. Because he's the one that says, if it is you, you tell me to come out on the water. He didn't say, Jesus, come to me. (laughs) He's like, you tell me to get out on the water. So he got out and he started treading water. But as soon as he realized what he was doing, he got scared. Does that happen to us sometimes? We're fine until we realize what we're doing. It's like, oh my. And then you get afraid and you become timid and you sink back into your shell. It's like, oh, I don't know. Was I really meant to do that? Well, you were doing it before you got your eyes off of what you were, you know, off of the goal. And it happens so many times. That doesn't make us bad Christians. We're human. We make mistakes, and we always will. But the thing is, we have to remain faithful in our belief in Christ. We are saved by faith. He saved us just by accepting him, having faith that he is who he is. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our failures. I have faith that he makes us all overcomers. Whatever our our weakness is, whatever the failure is or whatever we pursue. We have faith that God will get us from point A to point B. One day we'll be going home. I believe it. I have faith that we'll be going home with him. He's going to come and meet us or we'll meet him in another form, but he's coming for us and we'll be with him. We have that faith that we can rely and know that we serve a God who keeps his word. So when we focus on the waves of our faith, our faith falters, so we have to keep our focus on Christ and not on the waves, we are walking by faith. It's something that God gives us. We grow our faith. It's something that God intends. Don't shrink away from your faith. Because in days to come, I'm sure, faith will be tested may not be tomorrow or five years from now. It might be 10, 15, 20, 100 years from now, which we may not be here. But still, we have to live like this may be our last day. We have to live by faith that God is going to see us through every day, through our mistakes, through our victories, through the hard times, through everything that we go through. He's there. He's there in the midst of everything. Amen? am getting out early today. <laughs> Come on, let's stand and pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you that you save us by your faith, by your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you give us opportunities to grow in our faith. And Father, for you to refine us and make us more like you, more of what you want us to be. God, I just pray for each and every one here, Lord, that you would reveal the ministries and the gifts that you have within them. And by faith, Lord, they would step out and that you would just place your hand upon them and anoint them to do the job that you have given them to do. We thank you, Lord, for this day and for this congregation. And with God, we just pray, too, that Pastor will have a speedy recovery. Touch him in Rhonda, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.